All right, take your Bibles and turn to Psalms 119, verses 105. Psalm 119, verse 105. This message is, I really changed it uh, this week. I was going another direction, same subject, just a different direction. It just seemed like the Lord put something else on my heart going about it. But it's a sermon, I'll tell you right now, that... Uh, I will be most uncomfortable with it. Okay, I am most uncomfortable with this sermon. I know it's what the Lord wants me to do, but I I won't like it because there's a lot of testimonial in it. And we're here to exalt Christ. And so I want to tell you at the beginning that in exalting Christ, when we look at things that may have happened in my own life, it wasn't me. Christ brought it about. And I want you to see what Christ can do, because I feel if Christ can do something for me, he certainly can do something for you. And so, with that thought in mind, we look at our text, Psalms 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. The idea there is, is that it shows me myself. It, it, I look at myself. It's, it's like look, turning on the light and looking at the mirror in the morning. You go, you look in there, and you say, oh, uh, but then you bring yourself around, then you start saying, okay, that needs comb, this needs fixed, that, oh, that, this, that, what, whatever. And so in front of the mirror, that mirror is to show you what needs fixed. Some of you need a plastic surgeon. Um, but it's to show you what needs fixed. And so you use the mirror for that purpose. But then he says, in the light unto my path. And that's, has a twofold meaning there. First of all, lightened our path uh, shows us what is God's will for our life. Now, each of us have a different call on our lives. But whatever that is, God will show it to you through his word. Now, understand, that's the operative word here. Through his word. And, and so we find the direction, the will of God, the power of God... Everything, we have to start in the Word and allow God's Holy Ghost. If you're saved, you've got the very Spirit of God living inside you. And if you have the very Spirit of God living inside you, that that very Spirit is going to teach you and direct you through His Word. So He'll show you your call, the will for your life. That's why I always, when we are in our invitation, we talk about church membership, we say that you must be saved, baptized by immersion after your salvation, and you've made it a matter of prayer because I want you to be at Central Baptist Church because you sought the Lord and you knew it was His will for you to be here. I don't want you to be here because of the music or because of any personality. I want you to be here because you know this is where God would have it to be. That makes you more solid and more of a help to the family of God. Now, the other thing, is that it shows me in that path, by his word, things I should add to my life, things that should be taken away from my life. Failures along the way, sin, all these kind of things. It shows that, so he is a light unto my path. And so as we see that again, that word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This is the importance of the word of God. Let's pray. Now, precious Father, again, I just want to come to you and ask for your power. Be the power that just holds the attention of each individual in this auditorium, as well as those listening by internet or radio. 
and take the very message home to the heart and do what I can't do. Lord, forgive me if this in any way takes glory from you and applies to me, for I deserve none of it. I realize, I realize more than anybody, that you have done everything. We want to bring praise to God. If there's one without Christ today that does not know if they die today, that heaven's their home, I pray that today would be the day they come to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. And we ask this in that name above every name, the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In 1974, I had what I would call three monumental events take place in my life. First of all, there was the birth of my daughter in March 13th, 1974. My daughter was born. I grew up, there's just five of us boys and no girls. Scared me half to death. And I still am. Uh, but here, here's a girl. Now today she's at the hospital with her daughter having a baby. But, uh, uh, so what goes around comes around, I guess. But um, uh, that was a monumental thing in my life. Also, late that year, around November of the year, my wife and I and our two children, we, we moved to Pensacola to go to a new college, just a little rink-a-dink, about 60-something student college called Pensacola Christian College. And, of course, that's growing now, but I was there when they had just 60-something students. But there was another monumental decision that I made at that time that affected the rest of my life, changed the direction of my life. That is when I decided to read the Bible through from beginning to end, starting on January the 1st. And, and, and what is interesting about that, I had always, you know, my, my Bible reading was a little bit hit and miss, but I, most days I would spend time in the Word of God and have prayer. But I might be in John one day, and I said, oh, you know what? I wonder what's going on over here in this book, or what's up going on in that book, you know? And so it's just jumping around and nothing complete. So I said, okay, I'm going to start in, in Genesis. And I did. Now, if you wonder about this Bible reading schedule we have, you're reading, when you start on January 1st, you'll read Genesis 1, 1 Samuel 1, Psalms 1, Matthew 1. Okay, and I'll take you through the Bible in 36 weeks. But the reason I designed that was for the school, but the reason I also designed it was the fact that I realized how close I almost come to dying when I got to Leviticus. Okay, because Leviticus is really, I mean, that's just something that you read through and you're, trying to understand it, and uh, it, it just kind of flies over your head, all that with the law and all the various sacrifices and things. And so I read it through, stayed with it, and God spoke to my heart through it. It just really began working in my life. At the time, I worked for Bob's Pool Service, and and Bob was a deacon here at the church at that time, and and Bob hired me to go clean pools. My route consisted of driving to Gainesville, almost to Williston, down to Bellevue, to the horse farms, and anything as far away from Ocala as they could, okay? But uh, that was the route. I was the last guy in uh, to be hired there, so I was the guy that got the, the long route. 
But what I learned to do, now put your hands over your teenagers and young kids' ears on this, but what I learned to do is read my Bible and drive at the same time. Now, I did read my Bible at home, but I'd take that Bible with me and read what I'd read at home to remind me. So that when I got to clean the pool, I'd take the, get stuff out, get ready, and start cleaning the pool. You know, you don't really have to think when you're cleaning a pool. You know, you don't have to think. So that's the time I'd spend praying and meditating on what I just read. It was through that that God impressed me I needed to answer his call. Because I already knew I was called to preach. I thought, well, if I preached it, did some lay preaching, which I did at that time, I'd be fine. But that wasn't God's call. His call was to go to a college, and it wasn't college I had ever heard of. And that's another story to get on how God used that. But I finally said, yes, Lord, I'll go. I started searching for the college. The Lord led me to this one. And before I left, the Lord gave me a passage I was reading through my Bibles, I said, and I got to Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. Now, this was just in the normal case of reading. I wasn't looking for a place, just reading the Bible and let God speak to me through his spirit. And there it said this, and it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath not where to lay his head. Now, you think about that. Lord, I'm going to follow you. What, how are you going to take care of me? Well, I don't have anywhere to lay my head. Verse 59 said, And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, and go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Now, you're leaving family. You're leaving friends. You're leaving the, what you're used to. You're going to a place that you don't know. You're going to a place where you do not know people. You're going to a place where, as a married man and two young kids, uh, you're going there. And you say, wow, what is this? I can remember uh, Paul and, and Bonnie when they were getting ready to move to Alabama. And Paul said, Dad, I really prayed about this. I, I believe this is what God wants. And they were up there for several years. I, I was trying to figure out what Paul had done that God was so mad at him that he'd send him to Alabama. But, um, but I knew that when you know God wants you to do something, do it and don't try to stand in the way. Don't stand someone else's way when God wants him to do something. Whatever God leads you to do, it will never, never, never interfere with the word of God. That is why the word of God is so important in your life. People say, I had this leading of the Lord, and the, that leading they had, they don't realize there's a spirit trying to imitate the Lord because it goes against the word. And any time it goes against the word, it is wrong. It is definitely wrong. And then another said, uh, beginning in verse 61, and another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And so I knew then, you've got to burn the bridges, so to speak. You don't have 
the thing that you can go back to. I'm believing it all. I can remember a man at Tennessee Temple in the 60s that had, uh, I knew him personally. He owned a gas station, which back then they did all your mechanical stuff as well as the other things. But he was well-to-do. He had really done well-to-do. He got up to Tennessee Temple and was going to go to college there. And while he was in college, things got hard. But he got a job. He, was, he became a diesel mechanic, did great. There's nothing to draw, take him from Tennessee except that job that he held on, that business he held on to was the thing that ended up bringing him home because whoever took it over while he was away embezzled. And he had to go back. And the very thing that he, <clears throat> the very bridge that he would not burn to trust God is the very bridge that brought him back from the will of God. So I'm saying that the Lord gives us an idea of what his call is here. In 1974, we had a recession. Many of you remember that, that we're living back then. Uh, I go twice a week to give blood plasma. You got $5 the first time, you got $10 the second time. They'd take the plasma out and then put the other blood back in you. And that's the way it goes. So I would do that to raise uh, $15 a week because I was going everywhere trying to find a job. And jobs just weren't there. You'd think November, Christmas time, that there'd be jobs. There weren't. Um, Paul was about two. Michelle was eight months. We learned to drink powdered milk, grits, and drink water. I would buy, I'd go to the grocery store and find bent cans, you know, the bent cans, or they're all bent up. Wouldn't know, some of them, I wouldn't know what was in them. I'd bring, bring them home. So every meal, breakfast, lunch, and supper, we'd have a bent can vegetable. We'd have grits. And usually we drank water. And, and that was our meals, uh, morning, noon, and evening. As a matter of fact, we got to the point where, uh, finally got to the end of we didn't have any money, and my wife, when I come home from school, said, uh, "We don't have we don't have any food left. This is it. I'm fixing the last bit." So I went in, got on my knees, said, "Lord, I answered your call. This is what your word said. This is how you led me, and so forth." But and I'm willing to work, but I'm nobody's giving me a job. I can't find a job. I've sought for jobs and can't get one. I, you know what? I can remember walking down the road during that time. And I'd look for pot bottles. Remember those? You'd get those. You'd get uh, either two cents or a nickel. I forget what it was. But you'd get that when you'd turn them in. And that's the way I'd buy candy for Paul and Michelle. They got a little bit were growing up. I just thought, I'll get candy for them. You know, just to do that. I would not take food stamps. My parents had taught me a work ethic. I didn't want it given to me. And it was hard to go to a grocery store and see people putting down steaks and food stamps. I'm not against that. I think that's all right. That's all right. I just felt for me, I wanted to earn what I had. And so I, I wanted to have a work ethic. So that's what I would do. But I'm just saying that that is that, the, that uh, as we were there, I got on my knees and I said, Lord, I'm here but you got to supply some way. I got off my knees. The mail ran. I went by and got a check out of the box, uh, a letter, and had a check in it for $36. I thought I'd hit a gold mine. 
And you think, oh, it's kind of funny right now. No, that bought over a week's of groceries well, so I filled the gas tank up. Because up till then, I was putting, when I get that $15, I'd put about, uh, I'd take a dollar fifty out for the church, and then I'd spend the rest half and half on gas and groceries. So I, I want you to know that it was hard, but you can't quit. And God doesn't show it to you in ahead of time. Sometimes you got to get to that point. Then God shows you what he can do. He sent that $36. I didn't have any ideas coming. Within a week, another man sent $100, and a job was called up and offered to me. And I worked at a TG&Y store until I, for a couple of years, two or three years, until I took over and pastored a church. But that was the supply of the Lord. Okay, that was God. Now, again, we had a little baby. I mean, Michelle's eight months. Before we had left, I would do, every week I'd get my paycheck, I'd always buy a couple extra cans of tooth powder. I don't think they'd sell those anymore, but instead of toothpaste, it's tooth powder. Save money that way. And and then uh, they had, people gave us baby powders, baby powders upon baby powders. I knew my wife would probably want hairspray, so each week I'd buy an extra can of the cheapest hairspray I could find. Well, the day came that the one thing I didn't buy a whole lot of extra was deodorant. I get up to go to school and there's no deodorant. What am I going to do? I took the baby powders under each arm then sprayed them with hairspray so they'd stay, you know. You know, it's like to walk around school this way, you know, but uh, I actually did that. I actually did that. But what I'm saying is, is you said, man, that thing sounds hard. That seems terrible. No. God supplied. Now, look. I can't do this. But God has given us here a radio ministry. In addition to that, he gave us a radio station. In addition to that, he gave us a man that's worked one of 15 to 20 men that helped develop the email system all of us use today. Um, We have in our internet 1.7 different million computers that have logged on at least one time. We don't know how many times, but the first time their IP address is registered. And that's been in the last about 12 years that has happened. We are Coming up close to three quarters of a million downloads of sermons. God brought us a Mark Hopper. God brought us the Lloyds. God brought us Brother Vaught and others that are involved there. God brought us a Brother Osborne here in the school. God brought us people. I don't know how to get them here. I mean, Brother, uh, just think of Brother Hopper. He's from Alabama. And he has a deep Alabama accent. How was I to know that he went to MIT and had three earned doctorates? I had no idea. I started out looking down, and now I look up, okay? Because God just gave us this man. I didn't recruit him. He visited us first. God gave it! And you say, how do you do this? I have no earthly idea. In college, God... Opened up a church for us, and I said, Lord, give me something as to whether or not I'm supposed to take this. Went to his word in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, which has been with me ever since. 
For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, but there are many adversaries. The effectual door has been there. So I've just pointed out some of these ministries. The effectual door is there, but there's been many adversaries along the way. Uh, look, I'm on the board of BIMI. I'm on the board of Soar of the Lord. And that only means I get up there and sit and listen to everybody else. But for the most part, in I know what it is to have false accusation. I know what it is to have personal attack against me and against this ministry. But my dad probably had more of that. One of the reasons I was 25 or 26 before I went to college was because I knew God back in high school had called me to be a preacher and I was doing everything not to do it and to try to satisfy him. I'd lay preach here and lay preach there. But I didn't want to go into full-time ministry because I knew the attacks of the devil are real. What I didn't know was the strength of the Lord, if you just trust him, will sustain you and he'll take care of the problem in his timing, not yours. Our hope is all in Jesus Christ, for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He does not lie. Look, Central Baptist Church shouldn't even exist anymore. Over all the many years of attacks, and yet God is blessed. That's God. That's not any bloom or anybody else. That's God. Okay. In Psalms 138 and verse 2, he says, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. All oh, one day, every knee is going to bow at that name. But there's something even more than that. He says, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. The Lord says, my name guarantees. My name is absolutely truth. My name will guarantee everything it says. But my friend, my word. I exalt even above my name. The word of God is so important in our lives. There's no other name given among men under heaven by which you might be saved, and that is through Jesus Christ. But 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 and 25, we find out it's through the word of God that we're introduced to Jesus Christ and his spirit saves us as we hear God's word. Our hope will one day be non-existent. You say non-existent? Oh, yeah, because one day I'm going to see him face to face. There's no more need of hope. One day it's face to face with Jesus, and there will no longer be that need. Look, kings, presidents, dictators, other law high-ranking officials, they are ordained to keep the peace. Keep us from war on land and sea and to direct us if we have to go to war. They are also for the protection from thieves and thugs and rebellious rioters. They're ordained to keep the peace. But you know what? I don't care who the president or whoever else it is. They cannot, they cannot, they cannot give peace from heartbreak. They cannot give peace from the attacks on your person. They cannot give peace in the day of rejection and betrayal. 
they simply cannot give you that deep down peace in your heart and mind. And yet, God uses his word and he accomplishes that. There is a king of kings and there's a lord of lords and he can take a nothing of a man and use him to bring great mighty glory to his own name. Now, again, I want to emphasize this in this message. If you think of all these things I've just mentioned about how God is blessed is me, then you are dumber than I look. And you probably thought nobody could look that could be that dumb. Well, you're dumber than I look if that's what you think. God did it. God did it. Look at faith promise. We had some people say, well, they'll never go back up into faith promise. We are doing more in faith promise now than we've ever done in our history. God did it. God did it. Radio. I had some people say, we don't need to have a radio station. I'm against it. We felt led of God, and you know what? It's reached in our community, and it's doing a great work. OCA. And so much more. And if you say, brother, how'd you do it? That's when you'll find out how dumb I really am because I have no idea how it was done. Look, let me tell you about my high school experience. Okay? I graduated in a high school class of a 226 students. I was so glad we walked in alphabetical order because Bloom gets near the top. Academically, I was 197 out of 226. I'm not bragging about that, believe me. But when God got a hold of my heart, in college, I graduated cum laude. (laughs) Always before it was laude, how come? But now it's cum laude. What's the difference? Brother Andy, did you get smart? Was there a smart? No. There's the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who makes a difference in your life. He opened your understanding. He opened your heart. He opened your mind. And he is the one that directs. All you got to do is be smart enough to follow him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 25 through 29, he says, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man, For ye see our calling, brethren, how not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Now, some noble are called, but mostly it's not. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to uh, confound the things that are mighty. And the base things of this world. And things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things that are not to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. You know what that means? God can use you. Christian, God can use you. He can use you. Many people think that this leather-covered, 1611 two-edged sword is out of date. 
They think we need to in, uh, to update it with the NIV and the NCV and the ASV and the ESV and a host of other like translations that are full of HIV, <laughs> tainted blood. You know, Satan got Eve to doubt the actual word of God and sin entered into the world. Sin entered because one would not trust the word of God. Adam was not deceived, but he was influenced by Eve. Satan's version did not deceive him. Adam sinned willfully. And it's true for us as well today. Sin entered because of disobedience to the word of God. And our disobedience also is sin. And it's no less than that of Adam and Eve that corrupted an entire race. Why? Because our sin not only affects us, it affects those about us. Now, Satan can kill your zeal if you let him. He knows that if you get to know the person of the Lord more intimately, if you begin to meditate in God's word daily, he knows that you're going to be a victor. If you meditate in God's word daily, and then you decide, I'm going to obey God's word. Whatever he says, I'll do. Whatever he says to stop, I'll stop. And he can... Uh, begin to introduce things in your life, Satan can't keep you from reading the word. So that you get as Adam, that you willfully do more of the things of the world in your religion, in your worship, in your daily life, and in your daily activities. Giving liberty to the flesh instead of the liberty of the spirit from the power of the flesh. And when we get to that point, we turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. And when we go that way, we have succeeded in making Satan very happy. Especially if you're saved. Now, my friend, 2020 vision. I want to give you a challenge for 2020 vision so you'd have God's vision. Not just for 2020, but for your life. I gave you those personal illustrations for one reason. I shared with you, yes, some of the good things, but I shared with you some of the failures. Good or bad, don't quit. Don't quit. God will never, 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 never let you down, so don't quit. The sky won't always be blue and the pathway strewn with flowers, but he will make a way and you'll be out victorious as you enter into his heavenly home. Read through the Bible. Decide I'm going to read through the Bible this year. Come to this altar when we have our invitation. Promise God, Lord, I will read the Bible completely through. 
I've done that since 1974. At first, when I started out, I'd do it two or three times a year. After a while, I quit doing it two or three times a year, just read through once a year, try to get it done by the end of June so that the last six months I can study one book of the Bible. I'll buy about ten different books or get about ten different books that I already have and study that one book of the Bible and see all these other things and all that with it. Folks, that's just work. That's not just being naturally knows it. No. I don't naturally know it. I need the help of God. But he gives it, and he'll give you the same help. So meditate in his word as you read it with the idea that I will obey it. So come and ask the Lord, tell the Lord, Lord, I want to promise you, I want to bow to you today that I'll read your word through, and I'll do what it says. I'll obey what it tells me to do. By the way, FBI, our Faith Bible Institute, that one night a week wouldn't hurt. Seek what he wants you to do with the rest of your life and be determined to end the life with a winner. Have a never-quit attitude. Do you really know what God wants you to do with the rest of your life? If you're still here, you're still breathing, God wants something out of the rest of your life. And he's going to help you do it. But you need to know what it is and set your heart to do it. Then finally, let me just say this. We've got these... At the exits over here and over there, that's through the Bible in 36 weeks. It's also on the website at centralbaptistocala.org. You can find it in the left-hand column, 30, read the Bible through in 36 weeks. That way you can just have it right there, download it if you want to, or just look at it each day, however you want to do it. You don't even have to follow my reading schedule. You can do it your own way. It's not the schedule that's inspired, it's the Word of God. But now having said all of that, everything that I have said this morning will be absolutely worthless. Absolutely worthless for you if Jesus Christ is not your Savior. Now my friend, Jesus died on the cross for each of us. As 1 John 2, 2 says, not for my sins only, but for the sins of the whole. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. When I appear before the Lord, it's not going to be my righteousness. It's going to be the righteousness of Christ because I received him as my Lord and Savior. He stands in for me. What do I need to do? (laughs) Nothing. Jesus did all the work. I can't do it. He's the one that died. He's the one that buried. And he's the one that bodily rose from the dead three days later and ascended up into heaven and began preparing a place for us. Mine is not a work. Mine is a duty of faith. Believing that he died for me was buried and rose from the dead. Believing that he was God come in the flesh, became a human in order to do this for us. Believing that he will Keep his word that whosoever come to him, he will in no wise cast out. Whosoever will, let him come and drink the water of life freely. In that that is his very word, I believe that he will keep his word. God never lies. So with the heart, 
man believeth unto righteousness, the righteousness of Christ in our place, having our sin fully paid, we give our heart and life to him. He becomes God. He becomes Lord.